Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, hello. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Live Your Personal Best. Not only is it a new episode, but it's a new month with a new theme. We are talking about plant-based eating. And I kind of want to get into why before, you know, we set up these next few episodes that will be coming for you. So this year, my New Year's resolution, New Year's goal was to be more environmentally friendly, eco-friendly, sustainable, everything in that bucket. And a lot of the recommendations to me was looking to plant-based eating, right? Like that's the number one way to really make an impact is to decrease the amount of animal products that you're eating, animal proteins that you're eating. And while that might sound like great advice from the outside, it's also really generalized health advice, right? And that's something that I'm constantly thinking about and always trying to just not take willingly just be like okay I'm gonna think about everything with a grain of salt actually ask myself is this what my body needs is this what I need and so I didn't want to just bring on one episode about plant-based eating and then never really talk about it again but I really wanted to dive deeper into it and so today is episode one and we are talking with a vegan all about eating and why it's ethically important to eat vegan and why she does it for her morals and for the ethics behind it and the cruelty that you know the meat industry brings into the world and then next week we'll be talking with a dietitian on if she actually recommends plant-based eating and if it's a healthier option is it a diet kind of how she recommends people start making that transition into their life and then lastly we talk with jenny who is an athlete and a backpacker and a hiker who did all of her training completely plant-based. She was a vegetarian for over eight years. And so I loved her perspective, one, because she was actually a training athlete that was on this diet. And two, a few years ago, she decided to switch her eating habits and she added back in some animal-based proteins. And so we want to know why, right? Like we talk all about the reason why people decide to make this decision, then why do people decide to go out of this decision? So I'm so excited to be bringing these brand new episodes to you. And if this is something that might not completely interest you, don't worry, I will still be releasing solo episodes on Thursdays that will be about different topics. So definitely stick around. I urge you to, you know, listen to these, even if you think it might not be something that interests you right now, maybe for the future or just to learn something new about a different way of eating. So with that, let's get started. What's up and welcome to the Live Your Personal Best podcast. This is the place where I help current and former athletes like you to show up confidently in the gym and in life. I'm your host, Emily Kaufman, a former Division I athlete and author of Elite to Everyday Athlete. I'm going to show you how to stay motivated in reaching your goals and how to have more fun doing it. So let's sweat it out and start living your personal best. Hey guys, today we are joined by Isolde. For a year, she's worked in earth science at NASA. 
She's been a vegan for over 15 years and is now the host of The Vegan Life, which she is on to talk to us more about today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Emily. This is great. Yeah. So I'd love to start off just knowing more about your background and what led you to becoming vegan. Did you start vegetarian? Did you jump right in? What did all of that look like? Well, it it all, I was in college at the time. And what happened to me is it was an animal thing in that I started going, okay, I'm eating a steak, but what part of the cow did that actually come from? So I started, then I stopped being able to eat things that look like the animal, like I couldn't eat lobster anymore. And then I, and then I realized it was, I, I had just stopped eating meat and stopped eating animals. And that was a while ago. And then a friend of mine who runs a nonprofit said, well, you do know what happens to dairy cows, don't you? And I went, wait, no, what? I didn't understand that cycle in, in factory farming. And so when, when I really studied that a little bit, I went, that's it. About 15 years ago, I went, ah, I'm done. And, and really noticed a lot of changes in myself. Going from being a, an omnivore to being a vegetarian gave me some energy boosts that I did not expect. But really being vegan, it feels like my joints feel better and I'm not I'm not particularly young anymore. So it's really nice anytime I get benefits like that where I noticed that I had more energy and I didn't have energy spikes, ups and downs. So when I went vegan, I kind of opened that part of myself up and really started looking at how to eat in a way that that kept me energized and feeling really good, and at the same time was in line with my values, which were to walk as softly on the earth as I can. So really eating cleanly, but also eating as cruelty-free as possible. And being vegan was really the best way to do both and to feel really good about what I'm doing. Yeah. No. So you said that you kind of, you know, started out with the me and then it was based on, you know, all these animal rights, but you're also very big into the environmental science, right? And like the earth science, all of that. How does switching to more vegan diet or plant-based diet kind of affect that? Ah, that's a great question. So one of the things that we don't tend to think about is that animal agriculture is one of the most high intensity resource uses of anything on the planet, right? So so fuel and water resources, food, like grain that's raised, something like 80% of it is for animal agriculture. Instead of being used for food for humans, it's used for food for cows or turkeys or chickens. So a lot of those resources that could otherwise be going to feed people are being used in factory farms. So all of that very resource intense uh, manufacturing and and production is also energy resource intense. So we're using a lot of gasoline, we're using a lot of a lot of coal, a lot of a lot of oil, even you know hydropower. All of those resources are being used to raise animals that are then being slaughtered for food, and a lot of land is being used to graze animals. I mean, if you look at the at the rainforest in in South America, it's a really great example. I have this video that I made that I show to people when I'm doing the the workshops that I do, and it shows the deforestation from something like 2000 to 2011, and you can just watch the clear cutting, and it's an unbelievable sight to see all of the screen turn into brown because they're clear cutting the forest to make room for cattle farms. So those cattle farms are directly animal agriculture. And so a lot of our natural resources, natural environment is being destroyed to make room for farms. So 
the less animal food there is, the less animal agriculture there is, the more we get to have trees and natural habitats available to the wildlife, but also to the planet. If you look at it this way, the rainforest, the, the rainforest in, in South America, the Amazon rainforest, provides 22% of the oxygen that we have on the planet, which is incredible. One space provides 22% of all of the oxygen on the planet. And if that's being clear cut, then it's not providing that oxygen anymore. And I like to look at it from the perspective of, you know, like, you know, what do, what do animals, people, what do these kinds of living organisms breathe in? Well, we breathe in oxygen. What do we breathe out? Carbon dioxide. What do plants breathe in? Carbon dioxide. And what do they breathe out? Oxygen. So it's this beautiful sort of cycle that happens that, if we don't have enough plants to produce enough oxygen for us, we're treading into some very dangerous territory with respect to the survival of all of the living species on the planet. Yeah, that's crazy. Like this isn't brand new information for me. You know, it's not like I've been living under a rock, but you know, when you are kind of presented with this information, it's almost like, okay, so then why isn't plant-based eating more popular, right? Absolutely. And a lot of it is we have to look at it from the perspective of uh, who is doing the directing of what we eat, right? Look at the food pyramid it brought about by the FDA for a long time. It was grains and then meat and then, you know, fruits and veggies and then and then cheese or whatever. And a lot of the stuff that we've been told that we should be eating, you should have a certain number of grams of protein every single day. Well, it's not just protein, specifically they're saying animal protein, but that's not necessarily true. And I think different different people have different requirements also. It's not, it's not general, it can be individualized. And so on some level, we've been fed a steady diet of what we should eat that may or may not be what's best for us. So we need to be looking at it very critically and we need to be looking and talking to our medical professionals to make sure that we're eating the best way for us whatever that is. And is it supposed to be this much animal protein? I can't say for anybody else because I'm not a medical professional, but I do want to say that we, again, all need to look very carefully at what is best for us individually. And the more we can be very uh, evaluative and assessing of what we're eating and how we're eating, the better we'll be able to control our own health and our own interaction with the natural environment. So it would it be great if we were in the in a position to go, yes, everyone should be vegan, everyone should be plant-based. I would love that personally. I don't have the voice that the meat industry or the dairy industry has. I don't have the reach, right? So it's it's people like you who are doing podcasts that look at health and fitness and what is best for us that really are driving the conversation forward because through that, we're able to start asking some of these very important questions. Yeah. No. And even as you're talking about it there, you know, I started to ask myself like, okay, why am I not vegetarian? Why am I not completely plant-based? And I think that the main reason I'm thinking about is like the convenience factor of it. Like I spend a lot of my meals out at restaurants and if there's 10 options of all meat entrees and then only one vegetarian, if I don't want that option, you know, I'm not going to be going towards it. So yeah, I think that like the convenience part that you're talking about of like, you know, this is just what was the normal fed to us, animal protein at every meal. 
Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting, I, I developed this, uh, this way of doing things pretty early on because I love to eat out too. I love, love, love to eat out in part because I hate doing dishes I've noticed. But anyway, uh, one of the things that I do is I, I really look at menus and even if there's only one vegan option, if it's often it has green peppers in it and I hate green peppers, but what I will do is I'll look at the different vegetables that are on the menu right? So let's say somebody's got a steak with artichoke hearts or a pizza with mushrooms or something like that. I will ask the chef to call those ingredients. Like, can you bring me a salad or sauteed mushrooms and artichoke hearts with spinach and just a hint of black pepper? And I'll actually have them create something for me. And what's, what's happened many times is that I've had the chef come over to me at my table and go, you know, what you asked us to make was so cool. We're going to make it tomorrow special. Huh? <laughs> First time that happened, it blew me away. But it was really interesting because the chef had never thought, well, why don't I take some of these other fresh ingredients and form something plant-based with them to give another option? And I've even had some things to that have gotten on to the permanent menus of restaurants because this just wasn't something the chef and the restaurant had even thought about. But once they did, they were able to combine those vegan ingredients in some really new and quite frankly, delicious ways. That's so funny. You're like, okay, I'll be part-time chef here. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? You know, I mean, we, we have a lot of control. We have a lot of power, especially if you're voting with your dollars, right? Where you choose to eat, you have a lot of power. So why not take the power into your hands to actually really work with the person preparing your food to make it the kind of food that you can both enjoy and also stand behind as far as your values and your health and your fitness are all concerned. Yeah, because I'm sure, you know, it's not something that crosses their mind of every day of like, let's make more vegan options. But then when they have someone who is vegan come in and have a request of something else, then it's like, oh, there actually is this population of people that would really enjoy this. Exactly. And and it's somewhat so much of what needs to happen, I think, and so much of what is happening, especially through people like you, Emily, is raising awareness, right? You're looking at fitness and you're looking at health and wellness as part of this show, for example, when you're doing that, what are your goals? You know, what, what, in fact, let me ask you, what are your goals for this show? Yeah, I think that I just want people to find what works best for them. And, you know, as you kind of said, not just be prescribed something or prescribed a diet, but actually thinking about what's going into my body, how am I moving my body and why? Exactly. Right. So that's exactly the way we can look at the choices we're making with respect to our food, with respect to our movement, how much exercise you're getting, how much you're moving, how much you're living according to your values, how how friendly you're being to the environment. All of those things, like you said, they're all about choices. And as long as you're aware and mindful of the choices before you and of the choices that you want to make, then you can feel really honest and full of integrity about the way you're walking on the earth. And that's just brilliant as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I love that. So I know that it's been a while, you know, since you have made these changes, but did you find your relationship with food change at all? What did that look like? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think my relationship with certain foods changed because I, again, got to be really mindful about the choices I was making. So Things that I would have normally been like, yes, hand me those French fries, I because I love French fries. Instead of making it something that was just a, a, a sort of a thoughtless addition to my meal, now 
I air fry my fries, right? Because I, I realized that so much of what I was eating felt heavy. When I was eating meat, it just, I felt heavy. I felt bogged down. And when I stopped eating meat, I, I felt lighter. I felt easier as far as the motion of my body. And the same thing happens when, for example, if I don't eat a lot of fried food, if I keep that fried food at a minimum for a while, then what happens is the next time I eat fried food, I feel kind of blah. So, so that kind of, oh, I didn't realize that all of the stuff that I'd been eating as a routine was making, was making me feel kind of bad. And as soon as I pulled back on some of that stuff, I realized that I was feeling better. But interestingly, I realized that it had been making me feel better the next time I ate it because I felt I recognized that I felt worse. Yeah. So it made you more aware and more thoughtful with all your food choices, not just, okay, is this meat or no meat? Oh yeah. And, and, you know, I think, I think once you go vegan for a while, it's funny because I've had people ask me, so are you eating meat yet? As if I'm going to go back someday, like this is a temporary thing. It's not for me. The choice is I want to live as cruelty-free as possible. So I'm not making that. That's never a choice. But will I eat something that I didn't used to because I want to try it? Onions for me are a big thing. I hated onions growing up. Hate, just despised them. And just tonight, I, I was making myself a sandwich and I put some thinly sliced onions on my sandwich. And my husband said, who are you? What have you done with Isolde? Because that's just not something I used to do. But I've allowed myself to become more adventurous with the food choices that are before me. And that feels really good because oftentimes, most often, they're really healthy choices. Yeah. No, I feel like that is one of the big myths, you know, of people looking into vegan. It's like, oh, you know, you don't have exciting options or you're just eating like leaves, right? Or grass. Like, no, it can be really exciting meals too. Absolutely. They can be, you can have food from all over the world that is vegan. And I live in New York City, so I have infinite choices. There are, there are, there are all, the other night we went to a vegan French Korean food place. It was a vegan French Korean pop-up where I was able to get combination of French and Korean food, both of which were vegan. And it was amazing. And so, so, you know, and there are tons of cookbooks, there are tons of things that you can try that's that's you know, food from Greece and food from France and food from Ethiopia and South America and all over the way. There's all sorts of different kinds of food that just is spiced beautifully and is tasty as all get out, but does not have any animal products in it. And it's still incredibly delicious. So the days of just a salad and a baked potato are over, even though I still love a lunch of a salad and a baked potato, but it's not, it's not required anymore. Now there's just a vast array of different kinds of really good for you and really good tasting food. Yeah, that's awesome. I bet you've definitely noticed the difference from when you started to all the menu options now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was wondering if there's any other, you know, big myths that people think about going vegan and vegan eating. Uh, I think some of it is that you're always going to, I don't know how to put this, be snooty about it, I guess, that, that people think vegans are smug. I, I want to I wanna really address that, actually. Honestly, it's not at all that I personally am smug and I don't know too many smug vegans like, oh, I'm better than you are because I don't eat meat, but more, I feel like I have a responsibility to be, again, 
to 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 not contribute to suffering, right? So that's really the the the, the myth that a lot of people have is that they believe that vegans are being snooty or holier than thou. But really, most vegans that I know are doing it because they don't want to participate in causing a, a, a pig or a, or a cow or a chicken or a turkey or a fish to suffer by by being part of the entire slaughter system. So, so that's the thing. It's like, no, I'm really not smug. I'm not holier than thou. I'm more fallible than most. I just don't want to contribute to anybody feeling bad. That's it. Yeah. No, I wonder though, like from your perspective, is it ever hard to be surrounded by, you know, say a table of people that all order steaks and you're just like, almost like, how do you not see what I see? You know, like people with differing opinions. Yeah, that, that is hard. And one of the things that I have had to do is really kind of put my foot down for myself. Like who, who am I going to be here? There are people who are activists who will go, you know, you should stop eating animals. And I think that pretty loudly. I try really hard not to wag my finger at anybody because I think wagging your finger at somebody just makes them feel defensive. I would rather give you vegan food that's amazing and have you go, huh, I had no idea this could be delicious. And so when I'm at a, I'll be very honest with you, Emily, I don't spend a lot of time eating at restaurants that have meat options that I'm in New York city. And there are so many vegan only places that really the bulk of the time I eat, I eat there. But when, when it is, when somebody is ordering a steak, you know, a cow steak next to me, I find it hard but I'm not going to get in their face about it because that just what that does is it sets up uh, a battle that is right now not winnable because they're still in a place where they're going, oh, you know, me eat meat now. And and that everybody has to make that choice. Would I love it if everybody was like, oh, I'm never going to eat another cow steak again? I would love it. I Personally, I would feel great about it. I just want to set an example that shows how amazing vegan food can be, how delicious it can be, and 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 maybe open people's eyes to the fact that, yes, there is this whole animal agriculture slaughterhouse thing going on, but also on a day-to-day basis, it's about the choices we're making. And I am always going to choose to eat, eat vegan. And if we go to an amazing vegan place, even if you are an omnivore, you might also make that choice too. Yeah. No, I love that perspective that you have with it. You know, you're like, I'm going to just keep making these choices here and almost hoping to like inspire someone from that, not the direct approach of giving them a speech. <laughs> and, and and the thing is, the direct approach, it, it works for some people. I, I would never say don't take the direct approach. And there are probably some people who are vegan who would look at me like, oh, so you're, you know, you're married to someone who is still becoming vegan. Well, you should leave him. I actually had someone say that to me, that I should leave my husband because he was in the process of going vegan. He hadn't gone vegan yet. And I said, if I, if I rush him, it will lead to resentment and resentment is not a really good way to make life changes. You know, in fact, it's a terrible way to make life changes. I remember I had a boyfriend once many years ago who we were driving uh, this is when I lived in Maryland, we were driving on a Virginia road and there was a cow in a, in a, at a farm and the cow was standing at close to the fence and we stopped the car and the cow was tagged for market, which meant that she was going to be slaughtered soon. 
And we stopped the car and we came and we walked over and we petted her beautiful, wonderful nose. And I was, I was already a vegetarian and my boyfriend went, you know what? I can't do that. I can't participate in this anymore. I'm going to go vegetarian. Now I had not said anything to him about that. I just was like, great. But about three years later, we also worked together and he decided for some reason that, that I had made him be a vegetarian and that, that he resented having to be vegetarian. And I went, I, I didn't, but okay. And he's like, I'm going to eat meat. And I said, okay. And he ordered a rack of ribs and a Reuben sandwich. And that was going to be his first meal eating meat for after three years. And I said, you know, John, maybe if you're going to eat, eat something small, like a slice of turkey or something, because you don't know how your body doesn't know how to handle a meat anymore. And he was really angry. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. And about an hour after he ate, he was literally on the floor writhing and he was angry that I hadn't warned him. And the people we shared the office with, I remember Dolores sort of leaned over and she said, she did warn you. We were all here. She told you maybe start small, but he had so much resentment in him that he thought I had made him become a vegetarian that it was not easy to reason with him at that point. So if, and that was my lesson about that is that if somebody feels like they've been forced to do it before they're ready, either they will jump back into meat eating someday or they will resent the person and that won't make for a good smooth transition anyway. I love how he got mad at you for making vegetarian mad at you when he stopped being vegetarian. You couldn't win. <laughs> no. And needless to say, he's not, he's not my partner anymore. <laughs> this was a long time ago. Yeah. If someone is, you know, listening to this and they wanted to give up meat, they wanted to become vegan. What advice do you have for them to get started? Ah, wow. Great question. I think first and foremost, you know, go slow. Check. I, I went cold turkey and, and had no resources. There are tons of resources out there. There are lots of different one, you know, I would, I would look at farm sanctuaries, uh, Instagram and TikTok accounts. They have a lot of information. Check with your medical professional and make sure that it's cool for you to do it. And then really start small, you know, cut, cut out some of the meat that you're eating. See if you can replace it with other things. But if you if you decide, no, that's it, I'm not eating meat, start cooking in. Don't start immediately going out and ordering whatever, just because you want to feel like you are making these choices from a really mindful and aware place. So I could recommend all sorts of books. Veganomicon, Vegan with a Vengeance, Quick Fix, Vegan are three books that come to mind about cooking easy meals. These are not hugely complicated meals, but easy, really delicious food. And also be really aware of how much you're eating and the quality of your food, the quality of your ingredients. And then also I would consider keeping a food diary for a little while. What are the things I've eaten? How, how do I feel after eating them? And really start being again, aware and building on your awareness with mindful action each time you choose a meal and then cutting slowly or full, you know, as I say, cold turkey, and I'm trying really hard not to use animal sayings. So I, I have to figure out cold ice cube meat, maybe I like I, instead of saying uh, there's more than one way to skin a cat, which just Ugh, it's a terrible saying. I say there's more than one way to bake a pie. And <laughs> so, so okay, John. Yeah, I, you know, because it's it's one of those things we use these sayings that are really cruel to animals, 
we don't without even thinking about it. You know, I don't have a dog in this fight. I've made I don't have a chili in this cook off. Right. So <laughs> I've turned them I've turned them around into something that's that's more animal friendly. But but the point is that, again, we can be very mindful and very purposeful with our choices. And if you really keep in mind why you're becoming vegan, whether it's for health, for fitness, for the environment, for animal rights, a combination of all of them, keep that in the forefront of what you're choosing to put on your plate and how you're choosing to behave and live in, and walk in the world. And that will help inform all of your choices. Yeah, I love that advice so much. And even from our like quick conversation here, I can really tell with you, you know, like all your stuff is very purposeful, um, which I think goes beyond, you know, just eating, right? Like you've in your conversations and everything that you consume is really purposeful. So it's interesting to see that come through, like from your eating habits. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I love, I love that I, that I project consistency. <laughs> I love it. Well, I've loved this whole conversation. Where can people find you, your podcast, all of that? Oh, uh, thank you so much for asking. So the podcast is the vegan life show. Uh, that's one podcast. The other podcast, I, I, I host a podcast on ethical innovation and creative thinking called the innovative mindset. And that's all about, as I said, innovating ethically, where, where you look at, at, trying to solve problems creatively while doing the right thing, while while being very values-based. And of course, a vegan sensibility plays a role, but also how we work in the world, the work we do, the life we choose can be very purposeful, can be very ethical, and can be very values-based, but also can be really juicy and creative. So that's what that is. And then my main website is Isolda, T-I-Z like zebra, O-L-D-A, T like Tom.com. And you can find out all about me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.